All right, it's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Okay, let's talk about the, uh, we started the show today talking about the pressure on UBC now mm-hmm. to bring in mandatory vaccination and a mask mandate at UBC. You've got the Faculty Association yesterday sent a letter to the university president there, Santa Ono, saying they wanted these mandatory masks. They want mandatory vaccines for all staff on stu- and students on campus. Do you think that's going to happen? Like, can Bonnie Henry maybe get involved in this or the problem well, spend she, on it? She's been asked about this several times and basically says there's an ongoing dialogue on this issue, both in universities and K-12 schools. Uh, you just open the paper every day. You see more examples of countries having vaccination, uh, what do you want to call them, passports or yeah. measures that you can't do certain things, you can't enter certain facilities unless you have a vaccine. Germany's the latest uh country to enact to, to about to enact uh, restrictions like that i think it's inevitable i think everybody, the entire world seems to be moving towards a whole new reality when it comes to vaccinations that if you're unvaccinated you're and adrian dix mentioned this last week he said there will be consequences to you if you're not vaccinated so there's no rule to force people to be vaccinated there's no right. mandatory vaccine but there are going to be measures there are going to be consequences if you're not vaccinated you're going to have to curb your activities and perhaps going to university in person is one of them perhaps teaching in class is one of them perhaps teaching at university is one of them um, again we're at the beginning of a whole new road here yeah i mean you've seen hundreds of colleges and universities in the united states have brought in mandatory vaccination rules there and a very a much much smaller number in canada you can't go to a restaurant in new york city Unless really? you're vaccinated. So, again, this is... Uh, you have to show proof of vaccination to, to go to a restaurant yeah, in New York. Yeah. So, it's, yeah. so it's, um, it's moving forward in terms of, with a speed I think a lot of people did not anticipate. What do you want to call them? Vaccine passport, vaccination passports, or just vaccine rules. Uh, various U.S. Every day, there's a, a, more news comes out of the States, more companies. Yeah. Uh, Microsoft now. You can't work at Microsoft unless you're vaccinated. CNN fired three employees for coming to work unvaccinated. Yeah. Uh, they're being very aggressive in, in parts of the states in terms of, of private companies. Less so in Canada, but I think we're always sort of a lag behind the states in these types of things. And I think that's where we're headed. Right. Certainly in the education sector, there seems to be growing pressure there. I mean, there's a lot of uh, outspoken university professors. I had two of them on this morning yeah. from UBC calling for this mask mandate and mandatory vaccines. But I wonder what also in the school, and like you said, the public school system as well. I wonder, I haven't heard the BCTF's position on this. I can't mm. imagine that they would back a mandatory vaccination rule uh, for their members, but it's going to be interesting. We've asked Dr. Henry about this several times now. Because the clock's ticking, the school year's approaching, it's uh, less than a month away to open those schools, and and opening the schools has been Dr. Hint, one of her top priorities since day one, never close the schools. She's not going to close the schools, but the Delta variant is out there, it's infecting younger people at a higher rate than the uh, conventional COVID-19, and again, the vac- and, and there's low vaccination numbers with that particular age group, of course, because they started late. Uh, and there's no vaccines for, for younger kids. the age of 12. Of course. So will there be a requirement to have teachers uh, vaccinated before they can go in the classroom? We're not, we're not at that point. Dr. Henry says it's an ongoing discussion, but it's going to be fascinating to see how that plays out. Well, let's listen to Bonnie Henry on this point. And here she is speaking about the back-to-school plan and if additional safety measures will be brought in. Bonnie Henry. Everybody should be immunized. And that is something that we're recommending. We're making it available to everybody, including people coming from other provinces, from other countries. And uh, there are restrictions still for unimmunized or people who are not fully immunized, international students. And we've been working with the post-secondary institutions around the province to make sure that they are 
offered vaccine when they are in their quarantine period. Okay, so she says everyone should be immunized. We're making the vaccine widely available to people, but still stopping short of any mandatory vaccinations in the school system. Well, again, I don't think it's going to be, she won't phrase it as a mandatory thing because you can't force someone to be immunized. It's just, that's, you can't do that in Canada, but you can put restrictions on them in terms of activities and maybe teaching or in-class participation, maybe one of those activities you can't do unless you're immunized. But we're not there yet. It's ongoing discussions with post-secondary and ongoing discussions at that roundtable group in K-12. Okay, let me play another clip of Bonnie Henry here for you. Here she is talking about young people getting sick with the new surge of the virus. Yeah, that Bonnie Henry clip there. Okay, let's. Um, we're just getting that lined up. Let me ask you about um, more about. Okay, we got it. Let's listen to Bonnie Henry here. We had um, young people in their twenties who've been hospitalized. Uh, we've had people in ICU are, who are very young. Um, and the majority of the hospitalizations are in unimmunized people in their 40s and 50s. So it does still cause severe illness in some people, even young people. Okay, it'd be nice yep. to get some precise figures on the people who are in hospital, the people who are testing positive and getting sick. Are they almost exclusively unvaccinated? Or Yeah, it was about 95 to 98% of the cases are unvaccinated people. A uh, very small percentage are vaccinated people, and those tend to be older people. But it's interesting. I just crunched the numbers again this morning and last night. Um, just look at the recent surge of cases with the Delta variant. Young people under the age of four, between 20 and 40, are almost about 80% of the cases now. They used to be about 60% of the cases. So the Delta variant is hitting younger people because it seems to hit younger people um, more easily. It's more transmissible. It's more infectious, but also because there's lower vaccination rates in, in younger people. The vaccination rate for people over 60 is, you know, well over 85%. If you're under 40, it's about 75%. So um, there's more right. people unvaccinated in those age groups, and they're the ones who are getting hit with the virus. Uh, you know, got to call them out this week. Heading into last weekend, those two weeks before last weekend, 900 people in the age of in their 20s were hit with Delta variant. Uh, before that, the two weeks before that, before Delta was so prevalent, it was about 350 people. So you just see the surge in cases are really hitting younger people right now because they're unvaccinated to a larger degree, but they're not going into hospital in, in greater numbers. We're not seeing an increase in, we saw a bit of an uptick in hospitalizations yesterday because the interior continues to have disproportionately high numbers and they are seeing more people going to hospital in the interior. Four people died in the interior over the weekend. Two people were in their 50s, which is concerning. But again, we're not seeing uh, what we're seeing in the United States, particularly American South, in terms of a huge surge of hospitalizations. But that could come. I mean, there are modelers out there who are predicting a huge surge in hospitalizations as this month progresses. Okay, the lower vaccination rate among younger people is one of the key reasons that we see university professors now demanding stricter safety protocols at places like UBC, where this, the Faculty Association yesterday called for that mask mandate and mandatory vaccinations mm -hmm. for all students and staff. So let me play this for you, Keith, get your thoughts. This is Professor Sylvia Fuller from UBC, who was my guest earlier on the show today. And here she is uh, talking about, uh, she says, UBC ad ad administrations are under pressure here uh, to not install stricter uh, safety measures. Here she is. 
So I think the university administrators, to be fair, are in a difficult position. So they're clearly under pressure not to impose stricter measures than the public health office is advising. And so far, the public health office is uh, advising us essentially to do nothing. So I, I do feel for them. Okay, she says the Ministry of Advanced Education is pressuring universities behind the scenes don't bring in these strict on-campus rules. Yeah, interesting. I've, that's, I haven't heard that. Um, it's interesting because uh, public health wants people to be vaccinated. They're not, they're not going to impose a rule so far, but they want people to get vaccinated and to provide all sorts of uh, uh, sort of, in, not incentives, but arguments to do that. I'd be surprised if the advanced ed ministry was actually having some sort of covert operation in terms of pressuring not to not have people vaccinated. That well, do certainly. universities and colleges have the authority, though, to bring in their own rules? That's good question. That's yeah. a very good question. It's certainly in the states they seem to have that uh, that ability. It's a, it's a different landscape up here. Uh, but universities, I mean, they have been able to prevent people from coming to university. If you know, if you if you've got an infectious disease, for example, you can't attend a class. But again, this a lot of the stuff's probably going to be tested in courts as we go through this. But it's going to be interesting. To, interesting to contrast the faculty associations' very aggressive push on this to the BCTF, which we haven't heard from yet when it comes to mandatory vaccines. Yeah, that is interesting. Let me ask you real quickly about a, a, a potential looming election call here. And we talked earlier on the show today with Andrew Weaver, the former Green Party leader. We talked about the UN climate change report that came out yesterday called Code Red for Humanity. One of the things he said that they should do in Canada is cancel the Trans Mountain Pipeline. Now, that pipeline is owned by Canadian taxpayers now. It was bought by the Justin Trudeau government. Trudeau up here has got an itchy trigger finger here to go and elect, go to an election. I wonder if you think climate change and that pipeline could be a key election issue. Let me play a clip here of Trudeau. Here's Trudeau defending the pipeline. One of the things that we have seen is that this is uh, a project that is um, that is uh, fully viable. The uh, discount. Uh, Canadian uh, oil producers get because we have only a single market to which we sell 99% of all of our oil resources uh, means that we're losing about 15 billion dollars a year uh, and getting access to uh, different markets for our uh, natural resources uh, is actually uh, just makes good economic sense okay but when it's code red for humanity according to the UN climate change panel does that change the equation politically here with an election looming? Well, it's interesting how Trans Mountain has disappeared as an issue since the pandemic began. There have been no protests. You know, before the pandemic, it was a f- top of mind issue. It's just like so many other issues have faded away in this pandemic as COVID. Now, again, as the Delta variant now surges around the world, you're seeing case numbers spike up. I've detected suddenly a renewed interest or fascination from people who are just perplexed and bewildered but fascinated by what's going on with with the covid situation and i don't see that um, necessarily ending before the election's actually over and probably sometime in september all right welcome back it's baldry's beat with keith baldry let's go right to your phone calls here leslie and burnaby hi leslie oh hi dear how why don't they stop all outer outer space travel look at that multi-millionaire he's <laughs> saying for 28 million you can fly to outer space what is it 10 minutes or something and look at the exhaust from that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I sometimes um, I do I do get a little fed up with some of the hypocrisy sometimes. Where you look at a guy like uh, 
Leonardo DiCaprio or whatever lecturing the world about climate change while he's on vacation on a yacht in the, mm -hmm. in the Riviera and flying around the world. I mean, how big is this guy's climate footprint, you know? Carbon footprint. No, there's but, a lot of celebrities, I think, are guilty yeah. of, of the hypocrisy. But in terms of space travel, I mean, well. good point. That was a $10 million <laughs> ego venture, uh, which I think billionaires can be well advised to spend their money on something better. <laughs> okay, Al Altruistic. Let's go to Phil in uh, Marpole. Hi, Phil. Yeah, I, I've always enjoyed listening to you since your rookie phenom days. Um, I just wanted to say two quick points. Uh, the 100% revenue neutral tax idea is one that should never be allowed to die. It's the only one that would make sense. And then also Dan McTagg, uh, a favorite guest of yours, has said that if Trudeau is allowed to implement the carbon tax or one of his successors to $170 a ton, I quote him from the Roy Green Show, all Canadians will have a very bleak and very grim future. We have to get Trudeau out, even if it's a liberal putsch. Thank you. Okay, 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 Phil. Well, a lot of people don't like those carbon taxes. Uh, of course, a, a, a federal carbon tax would not apply here in British Columbia no. because we have our own provincial one. But you know, take a look at the opinion polls. I mean, Trudeau's riding high. This is why he wants to call an election. Research Co. Uh, poll out today from Mario Conseco gives uh, NBC. The Liberals are at 37% of decided vote, NDP at 29 The Conservatives way down at 23. I think the ground is shifted when it comes to carbon taxes. Those who think it's some sort of horrible, evil thing are, are a shrinking minority. It's now a fact of life. But in terms of a greatly increased one, that's going to be a, might be a little tougher sell with, uh, with a lot of voters. Do you think a fourth wave of the virus complicates Trudeau's election call? I think, or is it still I, on? I think you can read it, um, either way. You know, either a surge in cases and a real serious situation may strengthen his hand again, as we've seen in other elections in this pandemic. Voters seem to gravity, gravitate towards the status quo and to support the, the devil they know rather than the devil they don't know. Are you going to hand the keys to the car over to a different driver if there's if the cases surge? On the other hand, maybe there's a shift in public sentiment saying, well, it's not working under you. We're going to try someone else. But I think right now all the arrows are pointing pretty well in the right direction for Justin Trudeau. Let's go to Ricky on Vancouver Island. Ricky on the right. Right? Hey guys, yeah. <laughs> man. nice okay. to talk to you again. I'm so frustrated that everybody pointing their finger blaming the fossil fuel industry, this, that, uh, the other. The big problem on this planet, here's the real problem, too many people. I did some math a, a year ago or so. In the last 10 years, after the death rate, there's approximately 275,000 more human beings on this planet every day for the last 10 years. No yeah. more people. There are too many people. That's <laughs> yeah. No, you well, know, you're, you're not necessarily wrong. I mean, human activity is driving uh, climate change more than anything else, and that was tied to fossil fuel use as well. But it's human activity, and again, if there's fewer humans, you're going to have a, a, a smaller carbon footprint. But we're not going to a shrinking population. Well, it reminds me of that Seinfeld line: "People, they're the worst." They're the worst. That uh, <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld said. What? Well, let's squeeze one more in. Russ in Maple Ridge. Hi, Russ. Hey, how you doing? Good. Go ahead. Hey, I just <clears throat> I wonder why we don't talk about the the debt, the Canadian debt, and how much Trudeau's piled onto it in the last little while. I know we had the pandemic and all that, but but still, I mean, if you go back to and I'm not a conservative, but if you go back to Harper and those guys, we didn't owe any money. I think we were at zero, and then they were freaking out oh, for no. 
Trudeau wanting to spend twenty million. Well, now we're no. at a trillion. Well, the debt was never zero. Never zero. Okay, no. but your, your thoughts, 30 seconds. Well, I mean, the debt really started to explode under Pierre Trudeau, uh, if you want to go back in time. Uh, but it was never zero under Stephen Harper. You may be thinking of balanced budgets and such. Yeah. But again, uh, huge deficit under the pandemic. But again, as I've been saying for, since day one, the pandemic has elbowed all issues off the table. It's hard for the opposition parties to put them back on, which is why incumbent governments keep getting reelected in this country.